Stay with us following this week's Crosswalk for information on Pastor Clay's new book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. Growing in God's Word and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus, this is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that it changed their lives forever. It didn't change their vocation. They were still shepherds. The next night, they were going to be right back out there keeping watch over their flocks just as they had done previously. It didn't change their status in life. It didn't make them rich. But I'll tell you what it did do. It changed their outlook on life. You can't experience what they experience and not be changed by joy it's a word that may have different meanings to different people what does joy mean to you more importantly where can joy be found joy comes from the knowledge of his caring there should be a joy in my life at the knowledge that god cares about me Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. Christmas is almost here. Are you ready? If you could get anything you wanted for Christmas, what would it be? Maybe a new car? How about a new wardrobe? The latest and greatest technological breakthrough? How about the ability to live every day with joy? When I think about the fact that God would love me enough, that He would pay for my own sin with His own blood, that should bring a smile to my face. As a follower of Jesus, we probably understand that there is a difference between happiness, as the world knows it, and joy. But we sometimes struggle with understanding how to live in joy in our everyday lives. As you'll hear today, Pastor Clay is going to show us from Luke chapter 2 how the birth of the Savior changed everything and made it possible to live in joy. Now here's Pastor Clay with a Christmas message that has impact for all year long. chapter 2. It is the Christmas story, and it goes like this. Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee From the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family of David. In order to register, along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among among men with whom he is pleased. 
When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. Uh, Two weeks ago, we talked about the surrendered life from the life of Mary. Last week, we looked at the faithful life from the life of Joseph. Today, let's spend a few minutes talking about a joyful life and what we can learn from the shepherds. A joyful life. Hey, whatever all you think of it, it must have been quite a night, huh? It had to be quite a night. It is that incomprehensible event known as the incarnation. It is... It is the idea that God, eternally existing God, all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere-present, eternal God, took on flesh, stepped into time, took on flesh in the form of a tiny baby. Some people say that's not even possible. But as I said last week, it 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 is not crazy to think that God could do God-like things. That it is quite rational to believe that a supernatural God could do supernatural events. So as mind-boggling and as impossible as it might seem to us, yes, God, eternal, all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere present, God stepped into time and took on flesh. It is the incarnation. It is a moment in time that had been planned before the foundation of the earth. It was a promise that had been made countless times by the prophets down through the ages. It was an instant that changed everything. And the shepherds had a front row seat. Now, I want you to put yourself in their sandals for a moment. They are shepherds, okay? They tend sheep. That's what they do. They do it because that's what their fathers did and their fathers before them. It was their lot in life to be keepers of the flock. And it's, it's not like that really could change. It's not like that they could... It's not like that they could decide to go off to college and and get a degree and and get off the farm, even if they want it to. They are shepherds. It is a simple, it's just the life that they have. From the world's perspective, it is obscure and insignificant. They're They're just shepherds. It was not glamorous. It did not come with prestige. It was not 
famous? Of course, that's not entirely true for these shepherds, is it? It's not entirely true to say that there was no fame in it for these shepherds. Because these shepherds, tending their flocks out on a hill outside of Bethlehem, these shepherds became the most famous shepherds that the world has ever known. In the world of shepherdom, they are up there. Now, we don't know their names. We don't know how many of them there were. But what we do know is that this story has been told millions of times, probably, for 2,000 years. And the story always contains these same words from God's Word. And there was out in the field, in the same region, there were shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And that made them flock stars. Let me tell you what else it made them. It made them eyewitnesses to the birth of the Savior of the world. And it it changed it changed their lives. I don't think it's an, an exaggeration to say that it changed their lives forever. Now, guys, it didn't change their vocation. They were still shepherds. The next night, they were going to be right back out there keeping watch over their flocks just as they had done previously. It didn't change their, their status in life. It, it didn't make them rich. But I'll tell you what it did do. It changed their outlook on life. Well, how do you know it did that, Clay? It has to. It has to. You can't, you can't hear new news that they heard and experience what they experienced and not be changed by it. You can't. Not if it's real. Not if it's authentic. You can't. Because, here's what I want you to know this morning. Because joy comes from the knowledge of his caring. There should be a joy in my life at the knowledge that God cares about me. Now, it is one of, I I would say this to, to me, it is one of the great mysteries of the universe that God cares about us. Now, it is not a mystery that God uh, cares. John, 1 John uh, chapter 4, verse, in verses 8 and verses 16, John tells us that God is love, right? Now, God is much more than love, but love is certainly an attribute of God. And so, it is not in God's nature to not care. God is a caring God. But, but if you just stop a minute and you contemplate the fact that we are or were rebellious, prideful, arrogant, unloving toward him people. And you add to that the fact that he is, as I've said numerous times last week, and I've already said it several times this morning, when you add to the fact that he is an all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere-present, eternal God, when you, when you put those two ideas together of who, who I was, who I am in my sinful flesh, and who God is, the very idea that he would, would care about me it's almost incomprehensible. At least that's certainly how the psalmist saw it. Maybe you've read this psalm before, Psalm 8, verse 3 and 4. Think about this for a moment. When I look at the night sky, the psalmist says, when I, when I look up into the night sky and I see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. 
Who am I? Who are we that, God, that you would even take notice of us? And yet he does. He cares for us. He loves us. And there should be a joy in my life as a result of that knowledge that God cares for me. God cares about me and my life and, and its problems and its heartaches and its good times and, its, and all the stuff that is my life. God cares about me. And, and a joy should come, should come pouring out of me as a result of that knowledge that he would even bother to care about me. But it's not only contemplating this knowledge that, that he, he cares about me. Certainly joy should come from that. It should manifest itself in my life. It is a joy that, that should be unstoppable by, by bad circumstances or a hard situation. It is a joy that still is contained within me and that should in some sense be evident out of me. When I think about the fact that God would love me enough that he would pay for my own sin with his own blood, that should, I think that should bring a smile to my face. Don't you? I just think this, the, the very idea of that. First John uh, 4.10, we find these words, and this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Joy comes from the knowledge that God cares. If you don't hear anything else today, because I know week in and week out, we have people that are in brutal situations. We don't even know the half of it sometimes with some of the situations that, that people experience and go through in their lives. Sometimes we have not some knowledge, but, uh, but oftentimes most of the, the hurt and the feelings and the despair and the loneliness or whatever is, is locked away deep inside of the person. If you don't hear anything else today, please hear that this, this all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere-present, eternal God personally cares for you. And that is joyful news. But it's also this as well. It's the second idea. Joy comes with the privilege of sharing, of sharing this, this good news. The shepherds, I, I'm, I'm quite sure that they, that they were astounded that they received this news. But I'm convinced that one of the reasons why Jesus was born in a, in a barn, basically, instead of a palace, at least one of the reasons is because, can you imagine what would have happened if the, if the angels had, had said to the shepherds, and you shall find the babe wrapped in royal blankets and, and lying in a palace crib, can you imagine what would have happened when they got to the palace gates and the palace guard said, I don't care what the angel told you, you're not getting through these gates. Now head on back out to the field and keep smoking whatever you've been smoking because you're not coming in here tonight. It is the fact that that shepherds, these common, ordinary, run-of-the-mill people could have access to this king who had come for them. I'm sure the shepherds hung on every word that the angels told them. But I'm thinking that, that maybe some words that had some particularly powerful meaning to them were the words where the angels said that this shall be good news of a great joy that shall be for, say it, all the people, all the people. They were part of the all the people. 
They weren't from royalty. They weren't high and mighty. They weren't rich and famous. They were just common, ordinary folk. And this was news that had to be shared with all the people. This was news that had to be shared. Have y'all ever, have y'all ever received some news in your life that uh, it was just so exciting to you that you just felt like you're going to bust a gut if you didn't get to tell some, you know, until you got to tell somebody you ever felt that way? I get the distinct impression that that's the way these shepherds felt when they received this news. They were so excited. And I, I want you to notice kind of the pattern uh, here in, in how they shared this news. Okay, it's something that I, I kind of call the X factor. I want you, to, want you to see this. Notice what it says. First, it starts with this. They experienced it. They experienced it. Yes, they, they heard the information that the angel said to them. The angel told them what had happened and what had transpired. But then it says this in verse 15. And it came about when the angel had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds began to say to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Hearing it was good. It was, it was great. It was wonderful. But they needed to experience it for themselves. Can I say that to you folks here today? And I don't know where every person is in their spiritual journey or the people that will, that will watch this or listen to this message. I don't know where everyone is in their spiritual journey, but this I know, everyone has to experience the Savior in their own life. You see, it's not enough, and many of you, if you grew up in church or you grew up in that kind of background, you know know what, you're right, you you got all the pat answers. Jesus, yes, Son of God, born in Bethlehem, grew up, lived a sinless life, went to the cross, died, rose again three days later, coming back one of these days. Yeah, I got all of that. It's not simply about the knowledge, ladies and gentlemen. It's about experiencing Christ in your own heart, in your own life. So maybe it's just a good time to ask, have you experienced Christ in your life? Not just the knowledge of what he has done, but have you personally invited him into your life, confessing your sins and believing by faith that he is the only one who can redeem you, who can, who can pay for and pardon your sins. It is to experience him yourself. And... and after experiencing it, notice second, it's this. Explain it. It's, it's got to be explained. That's after they experienced it, after they went and saw it. Verse 17 and 18 says this. And when they had seen this, when they'd seen it, when they experienced it, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. They went everywhere. They told anybody that was up and around and moving, anybody that would listen to them, they told them what they had heard and what they had seen. And all who heard it wondered at the things that were told them by the shepherds. It is to explain it. I mean, it is. It's a lot to take in. Would, would, would you all admit that? I mean, it is a lot to comprehend. God became a baby, grew up to be a man, laid down his life on a ground. You know, all of that. It, it's, it's a lot to take in. For the Jews, this promise of, of the one who would come... They'd heard it all their lives. They, they knew all about this stuff. And, 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 and it's, it's rather mind-boggling in some sense to, to comprehend it all. But it still is information that needs to be shared. People need to know the truth of, of where they are in their station in life and, where, and what God has done in their station in life for them so that they could be redeemed and, and, and have joy in their life and have the promise of eternal life and all those things. That, it has to be explained Right? Okay, y'all look thoroughly bored. You got to extol it. Got to extol it. 
Say that. Extol it. Say it again. Stole it. Say it loud. Stole it. Look at this. Listen, it's, it's okay. Disseminate information. You've got to give it out, right? All right, I know that. But look at verse 20. Look what it says. And the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as had been told them. Listen, people need to know, right? People, we, we need to give people the facts, the information. Uh, we walk them through a, a, a gospel track. We tell them, you know, we use things like the ABCs. Uh, a, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. B, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. C, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God is raised from the dead, you shall. You know, we, we walk through and we do things like that to try and help a person understand how they can be redeemed, how they can be forgiven, how they can be a part of the family of God. Information is important, but can I tell you this? Inspiration is life-changing. Inspiration, the, the, the very fact that you have been changed by this news will change somebody else's life. Y'all don't believe me. Listen, I don't mean this to sound as secular as it's going to sound uh, or as contrite or, or whatever else, but if you, don't, if, if you don't believe in your product enough for it to impact your life, you ain't going to sell much of that product. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? For the salesman that, and I know we're not selling anything, we're God's given this away. But do you understand what I'm saying? That the person that believes in what they're trying to communicate, right? That it has an impact on people's lives. Okay, all right, all right. I know, extol, right? It's kind of an old term. That's probably what's hanging y'all up. Extol? He really wanted that X factor in there, didn't he? Listen, look at the definition. I found, look at the definition for extol. To praise enthusiastically. Okay, to praise enthusiastically, to be fired up by the fact that this good news of great joy has come to you. And it results in the spontaneous, in the case of the shepherds, it results in the spontaneous worship and praise of God. Not because they have to, not because some crowd is gathered to watch it, but because they can't help themselves. They can't help but extol, but praise enthusiastically. Look at some of the synonyms I found for extol. Look at this. Go into raptures about or over. Now, I don't know what happened if we went into raptures over or about, but that's got to be good. To wax lyrical about. Sing the praises of, acclaim, exalt, eulogize, adulate, rhapsodize over, rave about, enthuse about or over. Extol this good news that has come into your life. I think that hearing this news and sharing this news, that those two things should bring a joy into our lives. I know not everything in our lives is enjoyable, that's for sure. Can I get an amen on that? But within me can be this joy that pours out of me as a result of what God has done for me. And I, th I think it ought to change me in a way that people, that's all I'm saying. I, say, I think it ought to change me. This news, this information, this change that's taken place in me ought to affect me in a way that affects others. Y'all remember that scene? Okay, y'all remember that scene from Christmas Carol where Ebenezer Scrooge, Scrooge first wakes up from his night with the spirits? Y'all remember that? Watch this. I'm not the man I was. I'm not the man I was. I'm <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
Good morning, sir. Tell me, what day is it? What day? What's Christmas Day, Christmas Day, Christmas Day, Christmas Day. Then I haven't missed it. The spirits must have done everything in one night. But of course, they can do anything, can't they? Of course they can. <laughs> Are you quiet yourself, sir? Well, I don't know. No, I, I don't think so. I hope not. What? <laughs> the curtains are still here. They're still here. You didn't, you didn't tear them down and sell them. Hmm? They're here now. Everything's here. I'm here. <laughs> and the shadows of things that would be can still be dispelled. And they will be. I know they will be. I know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I'm as light as a feather. <laughs> I'm as happy as a. I'm as happy as an angel. I'm as merry as a schoolboy. <laughs> I'm as giddy. I'm as giddy as a drunken man. I, I've never. <laughs> a merry Christmas, Ebenezer. <laughs> you old humbug. <laughs> And a happy new year, as if you deserved it. Oh, Merry, Merry Christmas, Mrs. Dilber. Thank you, sir. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And many, many of them. Likewise. <laughs> Look, Mrs. Dilber, there's the corner where the spirit of Christmas present sat. And there's the door where Jacob Marley's ghost came through. And there's the window where I saw the wandering spirit. It's right, it's true, it all happened to I? I don't know what day of the month it is. I, I don't know how long I've been amongst the spirits. I, I don't know anything. I never did know anything. <laughs> but now I know that I don't know anything. <laughs> I don't know anything. I never did know anything. But now I know that I don't know. All of the Christmas morning. I must stand in my head. I must stand in my head. <laughs> What I love about that, that scene is this, this there is a, there's dramatic change in this man as a result of this information that he has been given. And it changed his life. And you're familiar with the story, and it talks about at the end how he was true to his word and never was a better. It's just that idea that, that this joy within my life is, is changing me. It's changing my life. It's changing me uh, into a person that that God wants me to be. It's the joyful life. Listen, uh, when, I, when I first uh, came to Jesus in my mid-20s, uh, the church where Cindy and I were attending, uh, the pastor there, Dick Whipple, used to have this saying that he would talk about every once in a while, and he would say, too many Christians act like they were baptized in vinegar. You know what he means by that? Just, just sour. Just sour. Sour at the world. Sour at their circumstance, sour at, at oftentimes at, at other people, just, just sour. I just don't think that's how it's supposed to be. Uh, my, uh, my, son, my middle son, Todd, is dating a, a young lady. This is a very sweet young lady, um, and she really is very kind, uh, but uh, she, she's, in, she's into tattoos, all right? I don't know how, she's, she is tatted up, Okay? Right? I mean, I mean, she is tatted up. All right? And that's, you know, 
that, that's, that's part of the culture in which we live, right? And all that, that kind of stuff. But um, Cindy said that the other day that she, Amy posted something on Facebook about how she was, she was approached by this woman. I don't remember exactly what she said, but, but the woman basically called her the scum of the earth because the fact that she was all tatted up and how she, could she possibly do that to her body and all that stuff. Now, I, you know, the merits of tattooing or not tattooing, or you, you, y'all can settle that with your kids yourself. But uh, what I'm saying, I, I would bet you a dollar. If I had a dollar in my pocket, I'd bet you a dollar that the woman that said that would claim to be a, a Christian. I'll bet you that she would claim to be a Christian. Just, just you know, I don't, I don't know where joy fits into that whole condemnation and thinking somehow that you're better than somebody else or, or whatever else. When, when the fact is we're nothing more than, every one of us, nothing more than sinners. And for those of us who have been saved by His grace, it doesn't make us any better. It just makes us forgiven. And hopefully it puts a joy within us at that knowledge and, and the opportunity that we have to share that with others so that they might experience that same joy. Can I tell you this? There is no greater joy in, in my life. There is no greater joy than when I get to share with someone the good news of Jesus and see that person make a decision to commit their life to Jesus Christ and then see how that life begins to change as a result of coming to Christ. It's just, it's just a joy that comes within you when you get the privilege of doing that that is unlike anything else. Now listen, I've talked about this joy a lot, enough. I realize that most of us here are adults or on our way to adulthood. I realize that, that when we gather together to, to worship on Sundays, I, I, I realize that there probably should be a, a certain level of, of decorum, if for no other reason, so that guests don't think that we've completely lost our minds. I understand that, that theological error can enter into when emotional responses are emphasized over biblical teaching. But every once in a while, maybe just every once in a while, when we contemplate the goodness of our God and the idea of what He has done for us, that eternity broke into time, that he became one of us so that he could redeem us. When we think about that and the joy that, that should spring up in our lives as a result of that, maybe every once in a while we need to just, maybe sometimes we just need to dance. Y'all remember, y'all remember Charlie Brown Christmas dance? You know that every one of those dances were thoroughly designed for white people, but I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take on this one. I'm that chick. You know that that's I, I, I love I love that one. You know, 
but to just experience the joy of the Lord in my life so that suddenly, suddenly the, the mess, the mess that life can be, not that, it's, not that it's insignificant, not, not that it's not real, but suddenly the mess that life can be is, is suddenly put in perspective for what, for what it really means in the scheme of eternity. Uh, the psalmist has said it best uh, in uh, Psalm 149, Let them praise him by dancing and playing their tambourines and harps. The Lord is happy with his people. He did a wonderful thing for his humble people. He saved them. Well, if you're listening to this message, you couldn't view the video Pastor Clay showed of the Charlie Brown Christmas dance. But if you couldn't see it, I'm pretty sure you can still get the intended meaning. Joy is something, as Pastor Clay said, that manifests itself in our lives as followers of Jesus. The joy that the shepherds felt because of the good news they had heard is the same joy we should feel today. And the joy they felt at sharing that good news is the same joy we should feel today when we share the good news of Jesus with others. We certainly know that life can be filled with events that are not always pleasant, but the knowledge of the coming of the Savior should be a source of joy in our hearts, and it should be evident in our lives for others to see. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. We're glad you joined us for this week's Crosswalk. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their lives feel disconnected with the type of life and faith that they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting? If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback form from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens? They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy of I Get It today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable for every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where you'll find what you're looking for. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.